My name is Mitchell Moore. I'm an assistant pastor at Second Presbyterian Church. It's an honor to be here with you all. I've been able to watch the Lord uh, form at this fellowship from afar in the five years that I've been in Memphis uh, through Richard and then uh, grabbing Chris up and the Lord working in and through them and now to have elders and to be particularized. I just praise God for the gospel light and salt that is downtown church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. You have no idea how encouraging it is to see the people of God lifting up the name of God through the work of God in the city of Memphis. We must rise up and be the blessing that He calls us to be. And it's good to see a lot of friends. A lot of you all used to go to Second, have been through Second. I know you through Advance, Memphis, SOS, Downline, whatever. It's just good to be here worshiping with you all. Uh, my wife and I, we've been married 14 years this coming week. we got four kids. And as I've been at Second, I've been in charge. Uh, one of the aspects is a Sunday night worship service. And so we've had recently the, the worship band from this church out there. And many of y'all worshipped with us, and that was a great pleasure. We've also had Chris out there a couple times, and Richard. And I think this is just kind of a token before our family heads to Jakarta, Indonesia, to serve long term. I don't care how I got the invitation. It's an honor to be here. been in Memphis five years. I've been in vocational ministry a lot longer than that. And I'll never forget... Uh, the first time I started thinking about the use of the tongue in Christian service. I was getting ready to speak at a big event, a few more people than this. It was my first, I was very young in ministry and I was, I was on the side and I was nervous walking back and forth and just my heart was beating. I think everybody could hear my heart beating. Uh, they were, they were nervous for me. Uh, and right before they were introducing me, as I was pacing and, and thinking about how many times I had to swallow my own vomit out of nervousness. I don't know if you've been that nervous, just, mm, oh, oh. That's how nervous I was. This woman came up and she grabbed my face. I knew who she was, but I didn't know she had a little Pentecostal undertone to her. She grabbed my face and she said, Mitchell, the Lord will loosen your tongue. And I think she was trying to encourage me. But I was so nervous in my mind, I was really freaked out. And I started thinking about going out on stage and speaking and not knowing what it meant for my tongue to be loosened. And I just had these images of like, like a really long tongue hanging out my mouth, just trying to speak about the word. And I began to panic. And I also began to ask, what, what does God have in store for our tongue? You know, what does the Bible teach us about how we're supposed to use our tongues in response to His work? It turns out, Scripture has a lot to say about how we are to steward our tongues for grace as people who have experienced grace. And there's no way this morning that we can unpack a whole biblical theology of your tongue. But we are going to unpack a piece of it, and we're going to look at James chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to that. And as you do, I want to orient you with where you are in this letter. James is writing the, the epistle of James to churches. And he's just finished talking about what it means to know that you're saved. And someone who is saved, who has faith in the work of God, is someone whose life is marked by faith and works for God. Okay, you get this? So if we have faith in the work of God through Jesus Christ, then our lives are marked by work for God. You can tell a tree by its fruit. And James's letter is dripping with the teachings of Jesus. And he begins to unpack in this section a specific work of faith. So if you have faith in Jesus Christ for the salvation of sin, God's work on your behalf, 
then your life will be a working out of that faith. Your faith will be marked by works, to use his language. And the first work he unpacks is the work of your tongue. Gospel stewarding your tongue. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then your mouth will be exhibit A. And we're going to look at what James says this morning. If you take notes, then you can look in your bulletin. There's a place for notes um, somewhere. I don't know where I put my bulletin. Uh, in the, in the, if you don't take notes, please start. I'm going to say a lot of verses. I'm not going to be able to read them all. And I really want you to go back and check me. Use this study devotionally. We're going to read James 3, chapter, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Listen to the Word of God. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Before I go on, it's a verse like that that just causes a preacher to want to go ahead and close in prayer. Alright? But I'm not going to do that. You'll see why. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses that obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Before we unpack the word of the Lord, will you go to the Lord of the word with me and ask for his blessing? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word uh, and how it gives us a design for what it means to live faithfully in response to your grace. Lord, thank you that we can be saved by having faith in your work. And we long to know what a work of faith of the tongue is that brings you glory, what a faithful response is. Lord, would you teach us what it means as we're saved by grace to have works of tongues of faith that give you glory through grace. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray for your mercy. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, now here's the deal, right? All of us have trouble stewarding our tongue. This isn't a new thing. Scripture is full of what it means to use your tongue for the glory of God. You can find it all through the wisdom literature. One of the most dominant themes in Proverbs, in the Psalms, is what it means for the people of God to use the tongues of God for the glory of God. Right? Everyone has struggled with it to be as part of the people of God for since we've been the people of God. And James wants to help us understand that as people who have been saved by the work of God, His grace... We need to have tongues that are used to speak His grace, that are actually stewarded for the glory of God. We're going to see two points this morning. That's it. The first point, verses 1 through 8, is this. That our small tongue plays a really big role. 
our small tongue plays a really big role. And here's where we see it. Verses 1 and 2. Our small tongue plays a big enough role to be judged. Did you see what those verses said? If you're a teacher, don't teach. He actually discourages you from teaching. I know we've got a lot of teachers in here. We need more teachers in the city of Memphis. We need more teachers uh, in the churches in Memphis. But the first thing he says when unpacking a work of grace is like, yeah, you don't want to teach. You know why you don't want to teach? Because you're going to be judged by how you use your tongue. And on the one hand, teachers talk a whole lot, right? So the, the proportion of opportunities that you receive judgment is increased because your words are increased because you talk a lot. You're a teacher. Some teachers talk more than others, right? But not only that, because Scripture says that the use of our tongue carries such a weight, then you want to make sure that you are discerning correctly the call that God has on your life. If you're going to teach, you're going to be judged. And not only that, if you look at the grammar of this passage, everybody that speaks at all will be judged. There's a greater weight on teachers. So be warned. And James isn't pulling something new here. If we were to look back in the Gospel of Matthew and look at chapter 12, verse 36 and 37, write that down. I'm not going to read it. You need to check it later. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 36 and 37, that every word we speak will be judged when we get before the throne of heaven. There will be no careless word that isn't accounted for. The tongue is a small part of our body, but it carries a big role, big enough to be judged. I wonder if you realize the weight of that role when you're talking bad about somebody when you don't think they can hear. I wonder if you realize the weight of that role when when we don't keep confidentiality, when someone shares something with you and you turn and just share it because information is capital in our culture. I wonder if we realize the weight of judgment that's going to be on our tongues and how we use our tongues. When we say things that are not fully true, just to boast and make ourselves look a little better. And when you teach, that can happen a lot. The tongue's a small part of the body, but it plays a big role, big enough to be judged. It's verses 1 and 2. Verses 3 through 6, it's big enough to guide and big enough to destroy. The images that James uses, big enough to guide, he uses a boat. In our world that we live in now, our economy is the backbone of our economy are cargo ships. I don't know if you've been to a port in Charleston, been to a port in New Orleans, if you've been to a port in Los Angeles. I was in Jakarta last week, Jakarta, Indonesia, a major port for a route that runs from India to China and all down to Australia, all through that part of the world. And you know what happens if boats can't get where they're supposed to go? then the whole backbone of our economy globally would be crushed. Ships play an important role now. We see many of them coming up and down the Mississippi River, being a part of the backbone of our economy in the United States. Back in James's time, there was actually a rudder, a small part of the ship that guided the boat. It didn't matter how strong the wind was or where the passengers wanted to go. What determined where the ship went was the captain and how he steered that little bitty rudder. And while technology has changed a little bit, we don't have rudders, the implication is the same. And he's saying that in the church, if we don't understand how to use our tongues, a little tongue that is just one little part of the body can break down the whole kingdom economy that's in the church. If boats stopped working now, our global economy would shut down. It would drastically. 
And if we don't learn how to use our tongues properly, then the kingdom economy of love, the kingdom economy of grace and of mercy, the backbone of who we are, will be crushed. It's a small piece, but it's big enough. It's big enough to guide, and it's big enough to destroy. The next image that he uses is that of fire. Just as a small spark starts a big fire, so we need to realize not only the blessing of furthering the kingdom economy that can happen, but also the burden, the burden, thank you very much, that can come from the destruction from our tongues. We had a bonfire for our young adult ministry on Friday night. And there was a, well, I trusted one guy to build a fire. It had rained that morning, and he had built a stack of logs taller than me, and he didn't cover them with water. And I was worried, there's about 70 of us out there, uh, when he, w- he pulled just a lighter out, right, on wet wood. And it, it wouldn't light, and so what he did was he lit a stick on the side, and I was thinking to myself, not to correct him in front of everybody, but I was like, this isn't, this isn't going to work, <laughs> you know. But when he got that little stick lit, a little fire, he put it in the middle. In that, it was like the bonfire was like Texas A&M, man. It just exploded from this little bitty spark. I was like, how did you do that? He was like, oh, I put five gallons of diesel on it. I was like, well done, well done. I was so worried that this guy was going to be shamed by everybody, and he was like, the hero, like the man's man, right? Just fire I make, yes. But it all came from this little bitty spark, this little bitty fire. And James is saying that your tongue has that same capacity. It's big enough to destroy people. You've seen parents dress down their kids, not using their tongues to bless, but to burden, to destroy, to tear down, to verbally abuse. And you see the devastation that comes in people's lives. You see how politicians lie. They use their tongue. A small spark deceives. And the whole fabric of our culture is ripped apart because of the little spark of a lie that comes from people that we should be able to trust with leading our culture, but we can't. More often than not. Sometimes we can. That wasn't a blanket statement against politicians. Don't tweet out Mitchell is anti-government. Please don't do that. All right? I'm just saying that the small lies that come from politicians can lead to huge corruption. Our tongue is a small part of our body, but it's big enough. It's big enough to give direction. It's also big enough to destroy. It's big enough to be judged. And we see in verse 8, your tongue is big enough to reveal your bigger need. Your tongue is big enough to reveal your bigger need. Look at this in verse 8. No human being can tame the tongue. Okay, can we just step back and understand what James is saying real quick? This is remarkable. He's unpacking what a faithful response to God's faithfulness is. God has worked through Jesus Christ. And if our faith is in that, then our life is marked by work for Him. And primarily, we're going to use our tongues to do that. And he's saying the first work of faith that we're to have, (laughs) we can't do. Do you understand this? He's saying, look, if you want to have a faithful response to to God's work, then tame your tongue. Oh, by the way, you can't tame your tongue. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. What kind of Christianity is this? What kind of faith is this? Give me a moralistic faith, please. Give me a faith where I can at least do something to make happy the person that I'm saying I'm worshiping. Give me at least a culture, a community where I can compare myself horizontally and say, I use my tongue better than this person, so I'm better than they are. Can you please give me that kind of community? 
Scripture will have none of it. None of it. Because Scripture isn't concerned at all with you getting glory for your actions. Scripture is concerned primarily with God getting glory for His actions. And when God saves a person, our work in His response has God at the center of it. His strength, His power, His might. And so, of course, when we're called to do the work of using our tongue for grace, we see that our small tongue is big enough to give us a picture of our even bigger need. And what is that bigger need? That we cannot serve Jesus without the strength of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We cannot love others without first being loved. We cannot show mercy with our mouths until we first received mercy from God. I'm I'm reminded of a prophet, Isaiah. Isaiah 6. You may be familiar with his call. Remember my man was was in Isaiah 6. He was looking around. Boom! Heaven opens up. Angels are singing. Sheriffim are burning. I don't know what that looked like. But it had to be awesome. And what what was his first response when he saw a glimpse into heaven? When he saw the finished work and authority of God? Woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And what happened? A seraphim grabbed a coal from the altar of God where atonement is made for his people. And it took that atonement and it placed it on the lips of Isaiah. And he says, your sins have been atoned for. And what does Isaiah do? He goes on to speak the word of God to the people of God for the glory of God. And until we understand how our little tongues reveal a bigger need that we have, we'll never be able to tame our tongues. The Bible never says, you want to glorify God? Just try harder. Sure, we need to try in our sanctification. But we can't be founded on self-resolve. For instance, to illustrate this, if all of us went out to the Mississippi River after the service and we had a rock skipping contest, anybody here skip a rock real well? Yeah? A few people. I know more than that can. Skipping a rock across the water. Now, it's probably true that Mike Davis can skip a rock further than me on the Mississippi River, but can anyone skip a rock all the way across the river? No. What happens to a rock? It skips along the water, it looks beautiful for a while, and then it sinks. That's what happens when we try to respond to God's grace in our own strength. We look good for a while, but self-resolve eventually will put you on the bottom. If we want to steward our tongue well, we've got to understand what James is saying. You can't do it. You need the grace of God. You need the power of God. You need the mercy of God. You need the forgiveness of God. You need the power of God that is the gospel for all who believe. That's the first thing we see in the first eight verses is that our small tongues play a big role, big enough to be judged, big enough to guide and destroy, and big enough to reveal even our bigger need. Uh, Secondly, the last point, 9 through 12, we see that our small tongues will bless or they'll burden. They'll beautify or they're going to badger. I was in uh, Jakarta, like I said, uh, a few uh, last week for a few days. And when you're transitioning into a new culture, the last thing you want to do, 
uh, is offend people, right? So our family's going over there, and we're, we're going to serve as long-term missionaries in the largest Muslim-populated country in the world with more, more percentage of unreached people groups than any other country in the world. There's people that have never heard about Jesus, savingly, and we want to go and be a vehicle for that. We've actually been invited, but Indonesians were responding to their request, and we're excited about it. So I was over there trying to show them honor, learning from them, and they fed me this awesome meal. I don't know the name of it. I can't pronounce it. I really can't even describe it to you. It was a veritable hodgepodge of spices and sauces and meats and rices. Okay, I don't know what I was eating, but it was good. And I was eating it because they gave it to me, right? And I saw these things on the side of the plate. That was a good meal. saw these things on the side of the plate about this big. They were green. I thought they were green beans. I... I'm sitting with Indonesians and say, I'm going to try these little bitty green beans. Turns out they weren't green beans. Turns out they were peppers. So I put two of them in one bite and I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, all right. Steam coming out. Honestly, I started drinking everyone's water on the table totally indiscriminately. I've been known to be a little bit dramatic. And it was coming out, and this man at a table next to us just leans over, not even part of the conversation. He was like, sir, are you going to be okay? <laughs> I was like, can I have your water? <laughs> and this, this beautiful meal that it was, beautiful people was totally ruined because my face was on fire. And I was talking to my wife on Viber about four hours later, telling her about this, and my face was still burning. And she was just laughing on the other end of the phone, and I was like, it's not funny. <laughs> and I had to gut it out that meal and later. But what we see is in this last point that our tongues, they can bless or they can burden. And they're small. And what, what James has in mind in this last section is really from the words of Jesus in Matthew 7. If you're taking notes, Matthew 7, 20 through 23. When Jesus is talking about what comes out of our mouths is an overflow of our hearts. He mentions deceit that comes out. Bribery that comes out. Wickedness that comes out of our mouths. Coveting, pride, foolishness. And, and James, in line with other church fathers and apostles, like Paul, is saying that what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of your heart and it needs to bless. That is why the stewardship of our tongue must come from redemption. Because Ezekiel reminds us twice that when we're saved by God, we have the heart of God put in us. The heart of stone turned to a heart of flesh. And His Spirit that's put in us. And the, what, 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 is, what is being saying here, what, is, what James is saying here, is what Paul says in Ephesians 4.29. He says, Let no unwholesome talk, no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is uplifting to the moment. And the idea behind the people of God stewarding their tongues for the glory of God, being a blessing or a burden, beautifying or badgering, here's what it is. We're continuing the work of God. Do you know how God made creation? With His mouth. He spoke creation into existence. Light, dark, sea, land, filling, forming, boom, out of His mouth. And when Adam and Eve, our first parents, yours and mine, sinned against God, everything that had been ordered through God's speaking was historically disordered. 
Men and women were separated from God, frustrated in creation. Creation was separated from the Creator. And God called a people for Himself, Father Abraham and his offspring. And their purpose was to be a blessing to the nations. And what and people who have been saved by the grace of God execute the work of God by continuing it through speaking for God. And as God spoke creation into existence, so His church speaks recreation. We are a blessing using our tongue for the glory of God. And if we have new hearts and new spirits and have experienced His atoning work, then we can speak the Word of God. And this is where James goes. Look at these verses. He says, he, he says With our tongue we bless our Lord and our Father. But we also curse people who are made in His image. What are you going to do? Are you going to bless the Lord and then curse others? Are you going to come in here and worship and walk out and trample on people who have been made in His image? See, when we have been made new creations, we actually have power to not sin. At one time, we were slaves to our sin. But now we have new hearts and new spirits. We've been made alive together with Christ. And we can worship God, not just in this room, but as we live life in our vocations and our families. As we live life in our neighborhoods and in our entertaining lives, in our relationships and our friendships. So are we going to worship God or are we going to curse His image bearers? Secondly, he says this, From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth water from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Are, are, are we going to be a people who are content, basically having forked tongues? That we have fresh water that comes out of our mouth when we're around one another and we care about what everybody thinks of us? And then we have bitter water come out of our mouth when we're mad at somebody? We're going to talk bad behind their back? We're going to cheat on a business deal? We're going to cut corners to get ahead? Our neighbors aren't making us happy, making our neighbor look good, so we're going to trash them? We're going, to, we're going to scorn people who have authority over us because we have issues with authority. That we're going to dress people down, sometimes to their faces. But then we're going to try to have springs of living water when we're around other Christians. Let me tell you something. We live in a world, you work with people. You live with people. You go to school with people. You share a city with people who are longing for the living waters of Jesus Christ. And when you use your tongue to be a blessing, then your words all the time are displaying the redemptive work of Jesus and drawing Him to yourself. We are a people who speak blessing with our mouths, not burden. Finally, the question, what, what will come from your heart? This is where he ends. Can a fig tree... My brothers bear olives, or a grapevine produce fig trees. Neither can salt pond yield fresh water. Here's the deal. How you use your tongue will, be, will reveal whether or not you really have saving faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said it in Matthew 7. You can tell a tree by its fruit. You're not going to go to a pear tree and find apples. You're not going to go to a watermelon vine and find pineapple. You're not going to go over to Witten Farms and go to a tomato place and find cucumbers on there. You're not going to go to an olive tree and find figs. You're not going to see a Christian who has truly been saved by the grace of God not using their tongue for the glory of God. In the same way that we look at people who are angry and hateful and when they come to know Jesus we say, look, your hands are not for hitting. 
Your hands are for holding and for serving and for loving. They have a different purpose now that you're a Christian. So our tongues. Your tongues are not used if you have saving faith in Jesus Christ to build your own kingdom, to burden others, and to divide and destroy. Your tongues are used to bring about the work of God speaking recreation and reordering through the cross all that's been disordered by sin and rebellion. There's a million applications that I can have from this, but I want to read you a few that come from James, and this is what we're going to end with. The tongue is a major place of stewardship for James. Here's what he says. In, verses one, in verse 1-5, one five, one five, James says that your tongue should be used to ask for wisdom. If you lack wisdom, you ask for it. How do you ask for it? Your tongue. In verse 119, your tongue should be self-controlled. You you have the power to control your tongue. You don't have to talk about other people behind their back. You don't have to spread gossip. You don't have to talk bad about people. You have self-control. In verses chapter 2, 1-4, your your tongue should be used to show grace. Not only to the rich, but also to the poor. In your tongue's use, there should be no partiality in how we love. Chapter 2, verse 16. Your tongue should be a sign of integrity. That your life should back up what you say. And that's what it looks like for the church. In 3.14, your tongue is not used to boast or speak falsely about yourself. In 4.1, your tongue should be used for peace, not quarreling, not to try to get your own ways, but to be a peacemaker, not a quarrel maker. In 5.13, your tongue should be used to pray for others when they're suffering. In 5.13, your tongue should be used for praises and cheering for others. In 5.14, your tongue should be used to call elders to pray for those who are sick. In 5.16, we should confess our sins to one another using our tongue. And in 5.19, we should call brothers and sisters back to the faith in accountability through using our tongues. James has a lot to say about stewarding our tongues for grace. And surely he wants us to walk out with these two things. Number one, our small tongue play a really big role. But number two, The role can either be a blessing or be a burden. How are you using your tongue? Is your tongue being used for blessing? To build God's kingdom and to give Him glory or your own? Let's pray. Lord, we thank You uh, that You uh, took our sin, that we can have faith in Your work. And Your Word tells us in Isaiah 53 uh, that when You were led to the cross, You didn't speak that like a lamb led to slaughter, you were quiet. You lost the use of your tongue so that those of us who abused our tongue could have our sins atoned for, that we could experience your forgiveness and grace, and we could have new hearts put within us. Lord, I pray that your church here at Downtown Church and in all Memphis and all the Mid-South and North America and around the world, that we'd be marked with an understanding that our small tongues play a big role and that we want to be a blessing to the nations with our tongue, that we want to beautify. We don't want to burden and we don't want to badger. Lord, that only happens by your grace and we want to be a people that live for your glory. So we pray for your strength and your might. We pray all this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen.